There was once a sign uh, which people could read uh, on the front of a door uh, in an office building. Uh, it's a building with many offices and many different businesses. But this one office door had a sign uh, which said on it, Gone out of business. Didn't know what our business was. That's a tragic sign to read, isn't it? Uh, a business that has gone out of business because it didn't even know what its business was. But that situation happens more often than you might think. Uh, it happens in businesses. It happens in organisation. It can even in organisations, and it can even happen in churches. They lose sight of what their business really is. Uh, reminds me of a uh, job agency once, which uh, sought to counsel and help those who were out of work, and the aim was to get them into work. But as time went on, uh, the people, the counsellors there who were there to help those coming to them get work uh, started to actually quite enjoy simply counselling. They quite enjoyed simply giving this counselling and supportive help to those who came and the people who came started to quite enjoy being counselled without getting a job and they sort of settled into this comfortable routine where one could help and the other could be helped until eventually a manager, a new manager was hired and they decided this would not do. And they started getting people jobs and there was uproar because this comfortable arrangement had been disrupted. But of course that manager had the right idea because they knew what the business was. They knew why they were there. Tragically, so many people in life don't. So many people don't know why they're here, uh, what we're doing, uh, what the purpose of our lives are. People can be very busy, people can be very active, yet they don't actually know or they've forgotten what their business is. Uh, So let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, Why do you exist? What is your business here on earth? What are you here for? What gets you up in the morning? Uh, At the end of your life, what would you say or what would you have to have done to consider you've had a successful life? They're good questions to ask because it's crucial that we know why we're here if we're going to be fruitful in life. Thankfully, uh, the Bible leaves us in no doubt what a believer's purpose is. And if you're a believer here this morning, uh, if you're trusting in Christ, uh, if you've repented from your sin and you are trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, then the Bible, Peter, in this passage, makes very clear to you, to us, what our purpose on life is. Uh, look at verse 9 of chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says, You are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous lights. In these verses, uh, Peter tells us who we are if we are a believer. Uh, He tells us why we have been chosen. Uh, He tells us what we've been chosen for, and he tells us how we can accomplish it. And that's what we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. Uh, We're going to look at those four areas uh, throughout this morning. Uh, who we are, why we've been chosen, what we've been chosen for, and how we can accomplish it. So let's look first of all at who we are. Uh, Who does Peter, more importantly, who does God say we are if we are a believer? We've just read it. Peter says you are a chosen generation. If you are a Christian here this morning, You are chosen by God. You are the chosen possession of God. You might remember we looked at a verse which Jesus spoke last week, which said just that, where Jesus said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And that is fundamentally who we are if we are a believer. We are a chosen child of God. There are many verses in the Bible which teach that uh, in both the Old and New Testament. Um, Psalm 135 verse 4 says this, it says, the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. And in the New Testament we learn how Gentiles are welcomed into that family of Israel, but we are described as God's special treasure. Isn't that a wonderful expression to describe who we are if we are God's child? We are his special treasure. Or look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 17, where God himself speaks and he says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, And I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. God describes his people as his special jewels. Explains the picture on the front of your service sheets. Uh, We are his chosen precious jewels. We are like his firstborn son. Uh, That is the love that God has for his people. Or look again at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, verses 3 to 14. And uh, in these verses, God describes how he chose Israel. And it applies equally to those who trust in Christ now. Uh, Look what he says in verse 3 of Ezekiel 16. He says to Israel, your origin and your birth of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. Uh, He's saying you are far away. Uh, You were lost, as it were, but he says, 
And as for your birth on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped with, in swaddling cloths. No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on an open field, for you were aboard on the day that you were born. God says, not only were you lost, but you were uncared for, you were unlooked for, you were discarded, you were filthy. Then he says in verse 6, And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. And I said to you in your blood, live. That's a wonderful picture of everyone who comes to Christ for salvation. Uh, It's like God finds us lost, going our own way, making our own choices, lost and uh, condemned in our sin. But he says, live. He chooses us. He raises us. And we'll see more a little later what that means. But that's who we are. That's who we are this morning if we are a believer. We are the chosen and treasured possession of God. Or as Peter puts it, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. But it begs the question, uh, why? Why did God choose us if we are a believer? What motivated God to take us from our lost condition, from our filthy condition, from our dark position and bring us into his light? Again, Peter gives us the answer. It says in verse 10, you were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's the only answer we can give. Why did God chose Jesus? Out of his mercy, out of his grace. There was nothing in us which made God want to choose us per se it was merely his mercy and his grace uh, John Edwards the famous uh, pastor of the 18th century uh, he uh, had a wonderful sermon on this verse and he put it like this uh, he says God has chosen us as his treasure as a man chooses out gems from a heap of stones with this difference the man finds gems very different from other stones and therefore chooses. But God chooses us and therefore we become gems and very different from others. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying when we choose gems, if we ever do, I don't think I ever have, but if we ever do, you look at the gems in your hands and you choose the best ones. You take the biggest, the brightest, the most valuable and you discard any which aren't valuable. But Peter, and Jonathan Edwards here, is saying that that's not how God chooses. He doesn't look for the best and the brightest. He simply chooses the weak, the feeble, uh, those who aren't particularly bright, those who don't have anything particularly to commend them. And he chooses them and makes them beautiful. He turns them into gems. That is how 
God works. Uh, He works not because we are beautiful. He chooses us because he wants to make us beautiful out of his mercy and grace. That means a Christian, a believer, has no cause for pride. We can't boast about the fact that God has chosen us because we were this, that, or the other. But it also means we need not despair when we look at ourselves and we think, I'm not up to much. The Bible says, no, you're not. But that's not why God chose us. You might say, I'm so weak. I'm so feeble. I'm so sinful. I'm so insignificant. But the Bible says God specializes in using small, weak, insignificant things. Uh, As the Apostle Paul put it, didn't he? He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. So that's the second thing we learn. Why did God choose us? Not because we're beautiful. Not because we're special of ourselves but because God wants to make us special, because God wants to make us beautiful out of his mercy and grace. But that leads to the third question. Uh, What are we chosen for? Uh, It's a similar but not quite the same question. Uh, We're chosen because of God's grace and his mercy, but why did God want to choose us in the first place? What was the purpose? What was the reason for which, the purpose for which God chose us for? Well, again, Peter tells us the answer. He says in verse 9, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God chose us so that we might proclaim his praises, or as other translations put it, that we might proclaim his excellencies to all the world. God chooses us so that we might display and show to everyone how great God is. Uh, Let's go back to Ezekiel 16. You'll remember how Ezekiel 16 describes God's people as a lost and abandoned baby. Uh, wallowing in its blood in the dirt by the roadside and God picks it up and chooses it and tells it to live the passage goes on and God says of this baby in verse 7 of Ezekiel 16 God says I made you flourish like a plant of the field and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your heads. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. God speaks of how he takes this poor, defenseless, unclean baby and washes it and cleanses her and feeds her and she becomes this stunning, beautiful 
women. And that's what God does for us too. Uh, God takes us in our sin and he forgives us. He washes us. And then he sets about making us beautiful. Uh, But not with the kind of uh, temporary beauty you can get from a bottle. Uh, Not the kind of skin tanning, nose jobbing, face lifting, tummy tucking, bench pressing, stomach crunching sort of beauty that the world loves so much. That's not the kind of beauty God gives to us. Uh, God gives us a beauty that never fades. A beauty that is a beauty of the heart and of the spirit, not of the body. Uh, Jesus put it like this. Uh, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what it means to proclaim the praises of God, to proclaim the excellencies of God, to live out the life that God has given to us, to proclaim his goodness by showing the beauty that he has given to us in the good that we do. Or as 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19 to 20 puts it, uh, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. That's the purpose for which God has chosen us, if we are a believer, to shine with his beauty to let our good works glorify him in the world. One last verse, Peter himself, probably with those words of Christ in mind, says uh, in verse um, 12 of 1 Peter 2, he says, having your conduct honourable amongst the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God's in the day of visitation. So we're saved to proclaim God's goodness. But that leads to the fourth and last question, and it's a pressing one. The last question is how? How do we do this? Because when you hear that, well, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. When I hear that, I feel a certain degree of pressure Uh, I feel somewhat intimidated. Uh, How can we hope to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light? Uh, It seems like a tall order. Uh, You might say things like, I'm not a great evangelist. I'm rubbish at sharing my faith. I get tongue-tied. I get scared. I don't know what to say. You might look at your life and you might say, well, I'm not a great example of a Christian. Uh, How can I hope to proclaim the praises of him who called us? But again, thankfully, Peter does not leave us alone. Uh, Peter gives us help. 
And Peter explains, almost actually in the rest of his letter, you could say is an explanation of how we accomplish what he says we must accomplish in verse 9. And Peter explains that it's not so often what we think it must be. So often, proclaiming the praises of God is much simpler than we might imagine. Again, look at verse 11 and 12. Peter tells us what it looks like. Peter says in verse 11, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honourable amongst the Gentiles. Peter says this is what it looks like to proclaim God's praises. This is what it looks like to glorify God in your life. Negatively, it means we should abstain from fleshly lusts. Uh, the evil desires that are in our, in our hearts, the desires to do evil, Peter says abstain from them. Don't give in to them. With the power of the Holy Spirit, resist them. And positively, he says, have your conduct honourable amongst the Gentiles. He said, live your life in an honourable way. Uh, you don't have to be a great person in the eyes of the world. You don't need to shine with a special aura. Uh, All you need to do is live your life honourable amongst outsiders. Uh, You don't even have to become a uh, missionary to another country or become a pastor in a pulpit or a full-time evangelist. In fact, if we take Peter's words at face value... If every Christian was a full-time minister in whatever capacity, then the church would not be able to do what Peter says it must do. Because the job of the church is to glorify God in every crevice of society. Uh, God wants Christians in every walk of life. Uh, He wants teachers who can proclaim his excellency, his praises, in schools. Uh, He wants chemists who can proclaim his goodness in laboratories. Uh, He wants doctors who can proclaim his goodness in hospitals. Uh, He wants accountants and farmers and nurses and all sorts of different people in all different walks of life, so that they can proclaim his goodness where they are. Uh, Housewives in the home, uh, fathers out wherever they may be. Uh, Wherever you are, if you are a believer, you are able to proclaim the excellencies of God. So that's the question for us. How can we show God's goodness in the place where God has put us? And Peter just has one word for it, really. Uh, Just one word. We've seen it briefly in verse 12, uh, but just briefly look ahead in verse 17. Peter says, Honour all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honour the king. 
That's in a nutshell what our job description as a Christian is. We're to honour all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the king. In that nutshell, that one word is honour. Honour God, first of all, and honour others. So let me close with that question. Uh, How are you showing honour, if you are a believer, to others in your life? Uh, Wives, are you showing honour to your husbands? That's how God wants you to shine in this world. Uh, Husbands, are you honouring your wife? That's how you honour, that's how you shine like a diamond in this world. Children, are you honouring your parents? That's a way you can glorify God and proclaim his praises. Employees, are you honouring your boss? That's a way you can proclaim the praises of God. Uh, Citizens, all of us, whoever we are, are we honouring our government? Are we honouring those who God has put in authority over us? That's a way we can proclaim the praises of God. And if we do those things, we will stand out. Because it's rare to find wives who honour their husbands. It's rare to find husbands who honour their wives. It's rare to find children who honour their parents. It's rare to find employees and citizens who honour those in authority over them. And if we live in that way, people will look at us and say, why are they different? What's happened to them? Why are they like that? And we can point them to the reason why. Because God has chosen us. Because God has picked us out of the dark and brought us into his marvellous lights. And in that way, we can glorify God and glorify all that Christ has accomplished for us. And that's why I've chosen as our final hymn, number 343. And it's a hymn which rejoices in all that Christ has done for us in choosing us. And it really picks up that image from Ezekiel 16 of God choosing that baby by the roadside and transforming her into this beautiful woman. And that's exactly what God does with his church, what Christ has done for his church. So we're going to close by singing 343. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. So we'll close by singing 343.